Hello, and welcome to Five Alive Podcast. It's so wonderful to have you here with us today. We are enjoying going through things that we do in Christian growth as new believers, but also those reminders for those of us who have been saved for a while. Today, we're going to talk about corporate worship, also known as church and or church attendance, being around fellow believers. And I know I spend a lot of time talking about how important it is for us as Christians to throw off our prejudice, that traditional old self of hatred for somebody because of their skin color, their eye color, their heritage, their ancestry, their family name, their nationality, how much money they have, how little money they have. Our religious prejudice towards other religions has become a stereotype of Christians who hate others within the 20th and 21st century that we 21st century we now live in. However, the Bible is explicit and unchanging in the fact that no one, no one, no person on this earth, no matter what country you're from and no matter what your social status is, is better than somebody else. Nothing, absolutely nothing elevates you in the eyes of God more than somebody else ever. This is also true for our fellow believers. As the church, our disrespect and hatred for each other has got to stop. And so therefore today, we will be discussing the importance of gathering together with fellow believers. This is so important. Do you guys see a benefit and a blessing when you gather together with other people who think like you do? And what is that blessing or benefit? Yes, it's encouraging and uplifting to be with like-minded people. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, do you have anything else to elaborate on that? Is this, yeah, I am uplifted. Yes, it encourages you to continue to move forwards in your faith, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17 says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. The second sentence in this scripture specifically states that we are to love the brotherhood is what we will focus on as we continue to discuss this today. Brotherly kindness and love is developed not in isolation, but by associating and worshiping with other believers. Attending a church or a gathering of church believers, Christian believers, in corporate Bible study, prayer, and worship is an important and necessary step for growth of our lives in kindness and enrichment and in love and in discipline and in so many other areas that we also have the opportunities to give our time, money, wisdom, service, and love to others through the brotherhood is also a vital way that we grow in our Christian faith. Another step is to receive from others. Actually, let me stop there. I want to ask a question. Opportunities of giving your time, money, wisdom, service, and love to the brotherhood, what does that look like for us whenever we're doing these things? Is it dependent upon the pastor of the church to come up with ways for us to do this, or is it something that we also can explicitly do? It's something we also can and should explicitly do is help out our fellow brothers in Christ. Definitely. And when giving of our time and or our money, which one has more value? Time. 
time is limited, but money you can always gain back. Definitely. So I think it's important for us to recognize our opportunities to give not just to the poor, not just to the widow that are outside of the church, but it is so vital for us to recognize that within the church body, within the Christian community, there are orphans, there are widows, there are people who are poor in spirit, poor in body, poor in mind, poor in so many other ways. And yet when we gather together, it's that moment that we take to encourage each other, whether it be to go to the other person's house and help them out whenever they're sick by cleaning their house or by doing their dishes or by doing something in order to maybe preparing a meal. These are all very important ways that we can give back to the brotherhood. And these are also things, these are parts of service that we cannot neglect when, we're, when it comes to each other. It seems so often that the persons that get praised are the ones that do it for the people overseas. Oh, this missionary is helping out these orphans and they have an orphanage. And yes, that's valuable. However, we've got to recognize the fact that if you're cooking a meal for sister so-and-so who lost her husband last week due to COVID, that work is vitally important as well, especially in loving the brotherhood. Another step, an important thing of the church, is to receive from others this is a part of corporate worship that we also don't just spend all of our time giving to everybody else, but it's also very important for us to receive. Does anybody here have trouble receiving? No. No, I don't have any trouble receiving anything. I think I did when I was younger, for sure, because I felt bad that I couldn't give back in return. And so some people would say, you know, let your requests be made known. And if you let your requests be made known, then maybe it will be given to you. So therefore, I just kept silent. I didn't want people to know what I needed or what I desired or what I was in need for. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I know I kept quiet. And that's wrong as well, because then you're robbing somebody else to be able to be a blessing to you. Yeah, Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, I know for sure at one time before I was going through a a miscarriage and I needed a $500 um, medicine. Let's see how much that is in rupees. Yeah, about, well, with taxes, it would have been 40,000 rupees. So basically, I needed about 40,000 rupees in order to buy the specific medicine in order to help me not vomit so frequently. Uh, I was visiting my mom and she, we were at church and this couple came up to me and they said, I have, I feel impressed of the Lord to give you this uh, money for $500 or for 40,000 rupees. Am I hearing from God correctly? And I said, yes, I am in need of that. And they're like, okay, well, we don't want to just give it to you if there isn't a need. And I and I explained my situation um, that I, I needed this type of medicine and I was just going to try to do without. And they were like, no, let us, let us bless you in this. And in return, God will bless us. 
and I, I just started crying. They started crying. And uh, immediately after, after church was over, I, I went to the pharmacist to go get the medicine that I needed. And it was, it was exactly what I needed. So I'm grateful that sometimes people feel impressed of the Lord and then act upon it without the need sometimes even being said. Yeah, but as you were describing the story, you're talking about gathering together mm -hmm. as fellow believers. And that's exactly the crux of what we're talking about today. Your need was met because Christians met together. Mm -hmm. Whether it was a Holy Spirit moment where he's prompting somebody to say, okay, this girl needs this money and you receiving it. Or if it was, you know, the fact is, is that we were all together. We were a corporate body of believers together in the moment that this transpired. And, and the same can yeah. be true for you. And the, ni the nice thing about it was they weren't looking for anything back in return. And they said that. They're like, we're giving you this money mm -hmm. and we do not expect you to return the money back to us. Yeah, that's an ex excellent point, especially because sometimes we're so afraid to make a need known because we are afraid of what the strings attached will be. Right. And as a body of believers, as Christians, when we're giving, we're giving without expecting anything in return. And at the same time, when we're making a need known, we should have the confidence of being able to make that need known not being having strings attached to that person, that pastor, or that scenario where now we have to do bend over backwards to repay them with interest due accordingly by a certain date, but instead going to church and receiving from another is a very important part of corporate worship, especially when it's one of those moments that we're receiving with no strings attached. So that's the other side of it is as believers, we can't give with strings attached. And as believers, we can't receive thinking that there's going to be strings attached to what the request is that's being made known. Accountability is also a very important role for followers of Christ and is readily available when we gather together in corporate worship. The word corporate's original meaning is to form into a body. That is what we are looking for when it comes to corporate fellowship, a group of people that form into a body of believers, which is in Christ. We become one with him and he becomes one with us. This is a vital part of why we get together in a church atmosphere of corporate worship. We are the bride of Christ as his church, and he is the groom, the groomsman, the bridegroom. And together, he's looking for a spotless bride, which is his church, and we will one day be married together where we rise up from this earth, meet him in the air, and together we will be united as one. And that's what we're looking for while we're on this earth. So accountability-wise, this is something that is so important for us because sometimes we just need somebody to hold our feet to the fire and hold us accountable, don't we? Yes. yes. Is there any specific situation that you can think of where it's been good to go to church and you've been held accountable as a result of the people that were around you at church? I, I know for sure there's been a time in my life, been several times in my life, but one scenario that uh, sticks out to me right now is I obviously I've been talking about pregnancies and I had a really <laughs> rough pregnancy. 
Um, I was pregnant with my third baby, baby Xavier, and he I was in my womb and at about four or five months into my pregnancy, I was put on strict bed rest. And with that, I, there was a lot of women that would come by my home from the church just to make sure I was resting. Mm -hmm. And if I was cleaning, they would say, no, you're not supposed to clean. So they would come and they would begin vacuuming my floor or they would come by and do one load of laundry for me. Uh, some members of the church would come and mow the lawn mm -hmm. or weed uh, for me so I didn't have to get out in the garden to weed. And then others would pick up Addison from school and or take her to school in order to make sure that I was getting the proper rest that I needed and that I was doing anything and everything that I could do to protect this little one that was inside of my womb that um, he would be born healthy 100% and that I would be uh, healthy as mm -hmm. well um, in, in the proper caretaking of giving birth to him. So that accountability was really, really good. Not that I did it wholeheartedly 100% all the way because I tell you, it is really hard to bed rest. But to have <laughs> these, these women and men come by and they would, uh, some people would just come in and just drop off food, uh, drop yeah. off vegetables. Uh, they would come by with meals and it was, it was just like a, you know, and sometimes there would be like sweet notes of just saying, this is a meal for you. Please take rest tonight Yeah. and praying for you and praying for the little one that's inside of you. And if there's anything I, else I can do, please let me know. And, and that to me was just a community bonding of accountability within the church for sure. And with you discussing this specific time, I'm recalling the fact that this was cross-denominational. In other words, this wasn't just something that was done because of the people in our specific Assembly of God Church that they blessed us, right. but we also had people from the Methodist Church, the Baptist Church, the Presbyterian Church. Mm -hmm. Everybody corporately was coming together. It didn't matter what the banner was or the church sign said as you pulled into the parking lot of where people worshiped on Sunday, Wednesday, or any other day throughout the week. What mattered was that somebody else, a Christian within the, the community was hurting, and everybody kind of gathered around and made sure that that person was able to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that to me speaks of exactly what the church is supposed to do. We can't only focus on what the church sign says and only help the people within that church body. People who go to the Baptist church, the Catholic church, the Protestant, the Presbyterian church, the Methodist church, these are our brothers and our sisters that are also like believers. Why are they why are we like believers? Is there some theology that we look at differently? Yes. But overall, main point, what matters the most is we would not be saved had it not been for Jesus, and therefore we are now Christians. Therefore we worship him and him alone high above everyone else. No other God compares to him. Jesus is the most important savior of the world. He's the one that washed our sins away, no matter what our denomination is, as far as Christianity goes. And so therefore, we help one another. We help one another. That is the brotherhood. The brotherhood isn't the other people that are within the 
Pentecostal church realm or those that are within the Protestant realm or those that are in the evangelical realm and only those that are Catholics. No, we all come together and we help each other because we are the brotherhood when we depend on Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. What about you, Xavier? Have you ever had somebody help you out within the corporate worship accountability-wise or anything like that? Mallory? Yeah, well, recently it was... Coming back to India 2019, uh, for most of the year 2019, I was struggling with the fact that we'd have to leave behind uh, Addison, our older, my older sister, and the fact that she took on so much responsibility for me and Mallory that I didn't have to worry about as much whenever we were over here because she'd take on the brunt of the responsibility and help us understand what's going on. And I realized that whenever I came back, I'd be the person who had to take on all that responsibility. And it was scary. And I was kind of scared to let go of the fact that I had to be the person to step up. And I wasn't fully ready to do it at that point in time. And so through that year, I was struggling with it most of the year. And there were a lot of people who spoke into my life and helped me understand the transition between leaving your, your sibling, leaving you, and you stepping up to the point of authority in within your family dynamic. Even though I am still a sibling and the child of you guys, I have a responsibility to take after you and my sisters. And so that was a sh big struggle for a few months until quite a few people helped speak into my life and helped keep me accountable and help me recognize that I was going to be all right. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant point. Another huge part of participating in giving to or joining a fellowship of believers is to make a public confession of your faith in Christ. Making a public confession, also known as a testimony, shows both Christ and others that you are serious about your decision to follow Jesus. In accordance with Matthew chapter 10, 32-33, Romans chapter 10, verse 9, and 2 Corinthians 9, 10-15. Public confession encourages also other people to seek after Christ. Sometimes somebody is doubting whether they believe in Jesus or not, and that public testimony, that confession that you're giving, helps encourage them to seek deeper after who Jesus really is and who he is in their life. And these moments come forth during moments of public confession, which encourage not just the believers to keep their faith, but unbelievers alike to look into changing their doubt into public confession themselves. Public confession is just as important as singing, as prayer, as scripture reading, and as memorization. Testimonies help encourage the body of believers. And if we aren't gathering together and hearing testimony of how God has provided, we are really being robbed of that moment of corporate worship of total encouragement. Have you ever been encouraged by somebody's somebody else's testimony? Yes. Yes. Corporate fellowship must occur a minimum of once a week and a maximum 
of all day, seven days a week. You cannot attend Sunday church because of your job. That's okay. Start a Bible study with other workers on your day off. You want to hang out with your friends who are believers and others who want to know about who Jesus is? Good, get together every morning for a short Bible study and prayer before work. You're not a morning person? No problem, do a late night Bible study. Gather together at a local coffee house or a place that's open later in the evening and discuss the word of God and pray together. A friend moved away that was a solid believer and yet you still want to connect with them. We live in the 21st century. We have Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, WhatsApp. There's always ways in which we connect in order to keep that corporate fellowship going. Testimonials are always going forth and lifting up Jesus higher. Corporate worship in the early church was not a once-a-time-week thing. No, corporate worship is to be daily. So let's look for ways to worship Christ corporately daily. Now, I was listening to and watching a YouTube video of somebody talking about properly eating. And this was a person who states that they've ate clean, healthy food for 10 years straight. And they did a 24 hour period where they were eating what they called dirty food. So they had McDonald's breakfast, they had um, KFC for lunch, and they had Domino, uh, Domino's or Papa John's pizza for dinner. And they said that that was dirty eating and they hadn't ate that way in 10 years. And in the video, as they're describing how they feel after eating, the quote-unquote dirty food or the fast food, they said it made them feel bloated, made their stomach hurt, made their face feel fatter, made them just feel lethargic so that that way they constantly felt like sleeping. And this person was an active person, so they also wanted to continue to exercise. And while they were doing their exercise, they felt like they were sweating more than they normally did. They felt like they were not wanting to do the workout, etc. And the guy makes this statement at the end of the video where he says, Eating one bad meal every once in a while, if you're always eating clean, doesn't mean that you are going to rampantly down, go down the road of ruining your health and ruining your body any more than if you're constantly eating fast food, eating one healthy meal a week is going to make your body all of a sudden healthy. And I thought of that and I thought of the way we do our spiritual life. We do our corporate worship. We do our times of worshiping Jesus. And the same thing holds to be true. If all week long you're filling your life with nothing to do with church, nothing to do with Christ, just because you go to church on Sunday or just because you listen to a podcast sometime during the week, doesn't automatically mean that your spiritual life is going to be really healthy and well-developed. However, flip-flop that, if you are worshiping Christ regularly through corporate worship, and there's that one day that things just become so difficult and life is such a struggle that you aren't able to gather together with other people, that doesn't mean you're a horrible, rotten person all of a sudden either. What we have got to get into our minds in our lives is the importance of corporate worship 
together with other believers so that that way we can see the benefits of what the church is. And those are the things that we're going to talk about now. So we have the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to go through several different passages of scripture there. And in the first three passages of scripture, I want us to look at the following things. Notice the attitude, the beliefs, the activities of what's involved in the corporate fellowship that is mentioned in these passages of scripture. We're going to start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through 10, and then we're going to discuss the attitude, the beliefs, and the activities. Because our gospel comes to you not only in word, but also in power and in Holy Spirit, and with full conviction, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you become imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in, in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only was the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So what are the attitudes and the beliefs and the activities that took place in this passage of Scripture when we're talking about Macedonia and Achaia? Forget the first point. Uh, attitudes, beliefs, and activities. Attitudes, beliefs, and activities. Well, their attitude was to serve and follow after Christ wholeheartedly. And that goes into their activities and beliefs as well. Yeah, definitely. Who else got to learn of the good attitude and the beliefs of how important Christ is, even over all of the idols that the people in Macedonia and Achaia were previously worshiping, who else got to hear of this testimony as a result of them gathering together? Well, Paul and the people he traveled with, but not only that, the people in the outer regions also heard of the faith of the people of Macedonia and Achaia. Exactly. Because their testimony spread throughout the world, the known world at that time. Yep, exactly. So sometimes our gathering together, we can feel like it's just the four of us and the five of us or the 10 of us within the four walls of this building that we worship in. And a lot of times that faith uh, that we're bringing forth together in that room, whenever we're corporately worshiping together, spreads throughout the whole region of where we live, the city where we live, the village where we live. Anything else? Next passage of scripture is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holy and justly and unblameably we behave ourselves among you that believe, as ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged everyone of you as a father doth his children that ye would walk worthy of god who 
hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Wonderful. What are the attitudes, the beliefs, and the activities that took place in this passage of Scripture? So people were charged to walk in the manner worthy of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were. That's an incredible activity. They were witnesses of how holy and righteous and blameless we are to be as believers. Mm-hmm. And the word martyr comes from the word witness, which shows that they were even willing to, on penalty of death, share as witnesses of the truth of the gospel of Christ, because it was not a word that was received by men, but was a direct revelation from God himself. Mm -hmm. And to thank God constantly, Mm -hmm. and also to take God for who he is and for his word. Yeah. They didn't take his word as if it was just some random text from man, as if it was like the um, Greek or what is it, Roman uh, mythology that was being spread at that time. They didn't take it as that, but they took it as truth from Christ, God himself. Yes, exactly. All right. And First Thessalonians 4, 7 through 12. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly, and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. So what are the attitudes and the beliefs and the activities in this passage of Scripture? Remember, this is all in the same book. And to personalize it, I would say for me, it it is to, to love your brothers and your sisters in the Lord and don't get caught up in their affairs. Like, don't put yourself in their situation of, well, this is what I would do, and, like, demand what you would do. Mm. But instead, love them. And we're all growing, we're all changing, and we are all have a different personal relationship with Christ. And just because one person's doing it one way and another person's doing it another way doesn't mean it's necessarily wrong, doesn't mean it's necessarily right. But it's their growth. It's their growth in the Lord, and you can't force somebody to worship God how you worship God. Yeah. You really have to allow your neighbor, your brother, your sister to grow in the ways of the Lord on their own accord and on their own choosing. And in return, they minister to you and you minister to them. But ultimately, we all worship God, the one true God. So that's how I would 
see this scripture passage personally. Yeah, I, I agree. All right, let's move on to the next passage of scripture, which is 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness, our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Such an encouraging passage of scripture right there that it makes me think of a fellowship that's operating in perfection. Do you think that the Macedonian church that Paul is addressing here, the Thessalonikes there in Greece, do you think that they are the perfect church? No. No. We're people. And so are we going to be able to be the perfect church today? No. No. But yes, at the same time, it's kind of a paradox, isn't it? It's what we strive to be. Yeah. But there are still going to be disappointments because people let people down. That's why we have to keep our eyes focused on Christ and Christ alone. And that's why we've got to give forgiveness as much as we receive forgiveness from him. Right. And this is a huge part of corporate fellowship is forgiveness. How often does your brother sin against you, Jesus said? Is it seven times? Is it 70 times seven? Forgive him every single time that he sins against you. And this is not talking about people on the outside of the Christian fellowship, outside of the church. This is talking about people within the church. They're going to, you're going to come to a place where you're going to have to forgive somebody and forgive them constantly and repeatedly. How often have the kids made mistakes, the children that we have right here sitting in front of us, how often have they made mistakes? Do you have a number? No. I don't either. Have you guys ever made mistakes? Have we ever had to forgive you for something you've done wrong? Yes. Have mommy and I ever made mistakes? I'm sure. Absolutely, we have. Have we ever had to ask you to forgive us for the thing that we've done wrong? Yes. Yeah. If we have to do it amongst the four or five of us, when Addison is especially with us, if we have to do it amongst our own immediate family, how much more greater is the need for forgiveness when we become one body with other families from other cultures and other backgrounds and other denominations and other theological reference points and other, you see, all of a sudden we've got a whole jumbled, what looks like to the world, a mess. And yet God unifies us as one body where we corporately worship together as one voice singing praises unto God And we work throughout the week in our jobs and in our community as believers of the same faith. That's what church is all about. Last passage of scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, 
but always seek to do good to one another and everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. There are a lot of characteristics that are brought up in this passage of scripture. As you guys pick one that you want to dis- discuss, I want to focus on the one that it says to test all things and hold fast to what is good. There are moments where people are going to say something that is so outlandishly, outrageously incorrect, and maybe they're even a leader or a teacher amongst the believers. It is absolutely important and necessary for us to take every teaching that somebody brings forth from the word of God and find it in scripture, compare it, test it, and make sure that what they're saying is correct and not just accept every word that comes forth as if it is not the word of God, but also as if it is a direct revelation every time. Because again, people do make mistakes. People in authority make mistakes. Sometimes false prophets come along And they give false prophecies like the end of the world is going to end in 1984. Well, guess what? We're almost 40 years later and the world did not end. There's been multiple false prophets that have said bad statements like the reason this hurricane happened is because the people in that place are such evil, vile people. It's God's judgment upon them. Or the reason COVID happened is because of how vile this world is and it's God's judgment on humanity. Where does it say that in the Bible? Because what I read in the Bible says that God is patient, not wanting anyone to suffer eternal damnation, but wanting everyone to come to faith in Christ. So those statements are false prophecies. And if we start believing them and acting on them, we all of a sudden start hating our brothers and our sisters, which is not what God's word encourages us and adorns us to do. All right, what about you guys? What corporate characteristic of corporate fellowship do you guys see in this passage of scripture? Well, in the beginning portion is to respect those who labor among us and, and are over us in the Lord and admonish you and esteem you very highly in love because of their and esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And admonish has multiple definitions. He said admonish the idol. Mm-hmm. But in this portion where I brought up, he's using admonish as in to give friendly earnest advice or encouragement to and not the express warning or disapproval of. It, so it is he's using it as a different definition of admonish. But in this is weird to respect those who are working and those who are above us, who work above us. And so we are to honor, respect our bosses and those who work above us. But at the same time, we're to respect the working class. Mm -hmm. And if we are, if we're well off enough that we don't have to work, doesn't mean that we're higher and mightier than anybody else. But we're to also respect those who still have to work and have the ability to work if we aren't able to work. Yeah, definitely. And what other characteristics are brought up in this passage of scripture? 
Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. Mm. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So even in times of good, times of bad, times of what we may seem as doom and despair, give thanks. There's things to give praise and to give thanks God for. Definitely. Because we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And so to have been and to be able to do what we've done so far, I thank you, Lord. Yeah. All right. There's many other things that are other characteristics of a good corporate fellowship that have been mentioned here in First Thessalonians, as well as you can read the whole book, all five chapters of First Thessalonians and see other characteristics of the importance of corporate fellowship for yourself. If you would like to, uh, you can send us your thoughts, your ideas on our Instagram page. You can send us your thoughts or ideas by email, as well as on our Twitter account. At this moment, we're going to go ahead and close in prayer. We thank you so much for being faithful listeners of this podcast. Thank you, Jesus, for today and for every single day, and that we will worship the Lord every single day and praise Him, and everyone will stay safe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Five Alive, out.